You're listening to End of the Line on WRIR 97.3 FM Richmond. End of the Line is an ongoing podcast about the pipeline struggles in Virginia and the Mid-Atlantic. I'm Whitney Whiting. I see it as we've done this thing and that we've proven something as a movement that we are capable of resisting. I was thrilled that they went up in the trees, but I had already told my husband three years ago that if I had to go into a tree, I was gonna go into a tree. Deckard, Nutty, and Fern, Red and Minor, Ink and Sprout, and of course, the original tree sitters who in the dead of winter climbed the top of Peter's Mountain to set the example for direct action against the Mountain Valley Pipeline. Perhaps the most remarkable thing about this 42-inch fracked gas pipeline is not the ease with which federal and state agencies granted it permit after permit. Instead, the remarkable thing about the MVP has been the quite literally record-breaking resistance that it has sparked over the last seven months. The original tree sits on top of Peter's Mountain lasted over three months. Nutty lived at the top of a monopod for nearly two months, breaking the record for the longest standing monopod blockade ever. The tree sits, in all their many forms, have together spanned five different counties, four seasons, and every type of weather known to Appalachia. They've garnered international attention and support from local residents and legislators alike. And now, at a time when MVP's permits are starting to fall like a house of cards, along with its stock prices, water protectors have found their home in the trees all over again. Okay, so I'm just going to start with question one. Uh, This is Lauren up in the tree in Elliston, Virginia. Lauren Bowman has been living high up in a tree in the path of the Mountain Valley Pipeline since September 5th, 2018. Not far from her is another equally tall tree, occupied by a person named Nettle. On the fifth day of their camp, I sent my recorder and a set of questions up to Lauren. Things were still quiet on that day. After so many tree sit blockades, I was curious how this set of trees were still standing and what had compelled Lauren to be at the top of one. Well, I've been up in the tree for, I think this is day five. Honestly, the days are kind of blurring together already, even though it's not been that long. The reason that I decided to take this step um, and climb up into this tree is pretty complex. Um, I guess I'll start at the beginning. Um, Back in... I guess it was February is when I heard about the tree sits in Giles County, and I had never heard of something like that happening before. Um, You know, four years ago when I heard about the Mountain Valley Pipeline, I followed it very closely. I was, um, you know, really concerned, just like a lot of other people in the community. And then ultimately, I moved on with my life and I graduated from college and I went on to take a few jobs elsewhere and um, 
you know, I continued to follow the issues and the development of the pipeline, but I hadn't really taken any steps to really actively get involved in trying to stop construction of the pipeline. Um, and, you know, it's hard to put in words why that was. Um, it's just apathy that I think a lot of people in my generation feel is that a lot of these things are out of our control and we don't realize that there is anything that we can do. So when I heard that there were two tree sits that had popped up, um, and I might have said they were in Giles County, but obviously um, that was not the case. They were in Monroe County in West Virginia. Um, you know, when I heard about them, I was um, blown away that that was an option, that we could keep fighting. And um, it gave me hope for the first time and made me realize that, uh, you know, there, was, there were things that we could do. There were ways that we could still fight. I'd first met Lauren about six months before she climbed the tree in Elliston, out on the Forest Service Road in Giles County, when tree sit supporters were beginning to hold routine gatherings to support the people and trees on Peters Mountain. It was before the monopod blockade, before the full closure of the Forest Service Road, and it was Lauren's first time coming out to support. Why did you come out here today? Uh, well, I grew up in this area, and you know, this is my home, and it has been my entire life. To think about the environmental devastation that's happening here is just devastating to me. Um, and you know, I, I just I can't talk about it without really getting emotional. But you know, it just it means a lot. So, Nancy Bolden, a resident of West Virginia, offered her thoughts that day on the importance of the tree sits. It's kind of like. If you saw somebody dash out in, in, in the middle of a block in front of a street to, to rescue somebody from an oncoming truck, that's jaywalking, right? Are you going to arrest them for jaywalking? Or are you going to give them an award for saving lives? I think this is like jaywalking in trees to, to save lives. Just a few days after this rally, Water protectors launched Nutty's monopod blockade. I started showing up at these calls to action. Um, and then shortly after, the monopod went up in Giles County on Pocahontas Road. And the first time that I went up there and saw the monopod blockade um, was just uh, just a, such a surreal experience because I, I had never seen anything like that before. It seeing it with my own eyes just did not make sense how it was standing and it was just crazy to me um but again it was just these actions gave me hope for the first time that there were things that could be done still and that it wasn't just a done deal and that this pipeline that we could that we could fight against this pipeline as for why these trees are still here no one really seems to know Unresolved route changes, perhaps? Who knows? What matters to them is that the trees are still here to be protected. To wake up and hear the sound of birds, and I go to sleep at night listening to a screech owl, which is pretty cool. Um, and I'm honestly not great at bird calls. I can identify birds fairly well, but 
not by calls. So a lot of them I don't recognize, but I hear a lot of different bird calls all night long and crickets and just a whole range of different wild sounds and um, to fall asleep kind of swaying along with the tree is really a, a quite a unique experience. It took some getting used to, but it's really peaceful up here and uh, it's just not really something that you can prepare for. Um, you can only imagine it, but it's just uh, I've been getting more comfortable up here as the days go by and it's um, I've become a lot more at peace being up here and there's really no other way to describe it. While visiting camp, I was surprised to hear the mechanical sounds of logging operations echoing over the hill. But on this day, someone at camp assured me that it was an MVP, that there are regular loggers out here on these roads most weekdays. In fact, that might be part of the reason why these trees are still here, but no one could really say for sure. And unfortunately, there are, um, there are the sounds of logging in the distance, which does kind of hinder that piece just a little bit um, to have to listen to trees falling in the distance. I can't put into words how humbled I am that so many people in the community have come out and voiced their support. You know, to have people coming up to me and looking up at my tree and me in the tree and almost reduced to tears sometimes and telling me that I've given them hope. I mean, I'm just a, a normal person and, you know, it's just, it's very humbling um, that something that I've done could prompt somebody to feel that way. If you're just tuning in, you're catching End of the Line, an ongoing podcast about the pipeline struggles in Virginia and the Mid-Atlantic. I'm Whitney Whiting. Amidst wrangling with state water control board members and continuous monitoring of impacts to Virginia waters, pipeline opponents found that remarkably, after all this time, there were still trees along the path of the pipeline that had yet to be cut. And with these new tree sits, the Mountain Valley Pipeline blockades have now seen every season shape and shade of Appalachia. The tree sits in their support camp fared well through Hurricane Florence. Their main concern instead was when they might run into Mountain Valley Pipeline tree cutters. So far, there had been barely a sighting of MVP at all. That changed on September 27th, when calls went out that assistance was needed at camp. So um, I'm just going to keep reiterating that it's day 25 because I also just can't believe it that we've been up here this long. Um, <laughs> really, it's been such a great experience overall. I mean, I feel like before I got up here, I was really not able to be quite as present and I've really had to learn to just be still and uh, just a personal takeaway I think that's been really great for me um, 
you know, despite the circumstances, I'm making the most of being up here. And it's been quite peaceful here until the past three days when MVP showed up. I really wish it would go back to being quiet. <laughs> I'm sure you can still hear the chainsaws in the background. I was here Thursday when a call came out. I think MVP had said they were coming back Thursday morning and they were bringing the police with them. So I came out Thursday and they did bring uh, law enforcement with him. There were about 15 largely unmarked police cars. That's Tina Badger. She's been a frequent and avid supporter at the new camp. She says that although there was a huge sudden presence of law enforcement that first day, it seemed largely for show. The police didn't do much, couldn't do much, since MVP didn't have clearly marked surveys in place. The police said they can't really do anything if they don't have their easement clearly marked, and I don't think the easement was clearly marked, so they had to resurvey to figure out where the easement was. So, yeah, they showed up here pretty early in the morning, and I had just woken up, and I hear a truck approaching, and... Of course, it was Global Security telling us that they were going to have people coming in and cutting trees. And it had been very quiet here for 23 days. And all of a sudden, it just exploded into chaos. And there were just truckloads and truckloads of workers coming in. And then all of a sudden, there were um, reports of like 15 cop cars at the end of the road. And it was just, it felt really chaotic. And even from up here in the tree where I'm kind of away from everything, it felt really, really tense and a little stressful. The next day, tree cutters came back, cutting down many of the trees in view of the camp. Um, But yeah, it was a little bit stressful, especially when they started cutting trees in the wetland area at the bottom of the hill. You know, I have been really trying to focus on the bigger picture of why we're up here. And I didn't really expect to have such a visceral reaction to them cutting trees at the bottom of the hill. But it was really not a good, not a good morning at all. I was pretty upset and I had a very clear view of them from where I was sitting. And every single tree that went down just felt like a knife to the heart. On Saturday, the cutters came back again. But they skipped any intimidation tactics and went straight up the hill, largely ignoring the campers and the tree-sitters, making no threats and bringing no extra police forces with them. But the hillside still looks great. They haven't been able to cut anywhere near us. They're in the distance now where it hasn't been very loud today. They're... It seems a lot farther away, so there are still a lot of uh, positive things to focus on. My understanding is there's probably about a mile or a mile or so that hasn't been cut here. So they moved farther away and came back in toward where the camp is and then um, said they were coming back Sunday, I think, to cut down around the camp, and they, they did um, uh, I got here probably by about noon on Sunday, and they were cutting very close, um, very close to the camp. They had actually left and then came back. A second crew came back. There was one crew that kind of stayed up here, but they weren't close. And then they started cutting down trees just above the tree sits, very close to some of the traverse lines. 
Um, and uh, the second crew that came in, my understanding was when they came here, they had a very hostile tone to their talk um, when they got out of their truck, like they were just going to plow down through this and get it done. And um, people were a little concerned about what was going to happen. But yeah, here we are. Uh, You can probably hear the sounds of chainsaws in the background. That is because MVP showed up about three days ago and started cutting and have been pretty aggressive in their intimidation tactics. It was kind of funny because one of the global security guys named Steve asked us if we were going to come down. Uh, just because the loggers had shown up and we were like, really? Uh, not a chance. There were quite a few people here. Um, I mean, we can always have, have more. The, I think the more that we have, the, the better it is for the safety of the people in camp and for the tree sitters. But there were plenty of people here that were able to spread out and watch them from different angles as to what they were, um, what they were doing. We were assured uh, by uh, one of their chief security person, Steve, that they would give a 200-foot buffer around each tree that they cut. They would stay 200 feet away from the tree sits. Um, and they were told pretty clearly that there were, there were traverse lines um, uh, support lines attached to the tree from the tree sit trees to other trees around them, and that they shouldn't be cutting near those trees because they could endanger the tree sitters if they did that. However, they did. Um, a group of them came up to the top of the ridge up here, at the top of the hill, and started cutting trees pretty close. and And they were actually felling them so they fell in the direction of the tree sits. They were actually, I've, I've actually got video of a couple of the trees. From I was, I was pretty much in a distance. There were some people who were closer who were watching. But these trees were coming down. It looked like in the general direction of the tree sits. That felt like intimidation is what that felt like. Um, at one point, um, one of the persons in camp yelled through a meg- megaphone, uh, you're endangering people's lives. You're cutting very close to the lines. Please stop. Uh, somebody's going to get hurt or somebody's going to get killed. Now, whether they, what, they may have been going at an angle either way, but it was still uh, it was still really very close to one of the lines that Nettles Tree is attached to. And she was actually on the line, out of the tree sit and on the line when they were doing this. And they were told, if you hit this line and it falls down, somebody falls. And um, I did hear a couple of the workers laugh. Not all of them, but a couple of them laughed. This sort of aggression, disregard for human life, and recklessness in performing their work is not new behavior for Mountain Valley tree cutters. Come on down, man. You don't want to go to jail. Come down now, you can walk away from this. Yeah, literally, dude. In late Walk May, away. when Inks traced it at Little Teal Crossing was still holding strong, a tree cutter climbed the tree Ink was clipped into and began cutting branches. But get up and be ready, because what he's hanging into is not supporting him. Oh, no, he's what he's hanging onto is never support him. Cut it. Cut it. Cut it. I'm clipped into it. You can never support Don't it. Don't I'm clipped it. into it. You will kill me. Come down. Yeah. Don't cut it. Don't cut that branch. 
Tree sit supporters on the ground warned the tree cutter to not cut the branches. But U.S. Marshals and MVP crews told him to keep going. Cut everything you can but the trunk. Cut everything you can by hand, the branches. It was one of the most tense standoffs yet. It's yours now, you own it. You didn't think we thought we were playing games or not. Ink sustained injury to the ribs as a direct result of the tree cutter's actions. After the incident, Ink posted to social media, I spoke to the worker as he was cutting, telling him he was going to hurt me if he kept going. His supervisors yelled from below to keep going. Once they cut the upper quarter of the tree, its weight settled against my ribs. If I had dropped the portion of the trunk that I was clipped into, it would have fallen and injured him. MVP private security and U.S. Marshals were the ones instructing him to continue, along with another worker. The biggest need when stuff like this is happening is just a lot of people to witness. Uh, we didn't have any legal observers yesterday, so legal observers is a need um, just to be on hand in case there's any altercation between law enforcement. Law enforcement was here yesterday. Montgomery, there were two Montgomery County uh, deputies down at the road. Uh, they did nothing. They did not. They did nothing for MVP. They did nothing for us. Um, we actually yelled to them a couple of times that they were endangering the tree sitters, but they did not respond um, to that. Um, the The mood here yesterday was one of it was pretty tense. Uh, people were angry. Um, uh, I think we we kind of got the feeling when they came down and got out of the truck and were like posturing and cussing and 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 being very angry that this was a challenge to them. Um, the the workers? The workers, yeah, the MVP workers, the tree cutters. Um, so they were exhibiting some anger? Or? They, they were. There were two crews. There was one that was already up here, but the second crew that came in, they were the ones. The others were all, they seemed pretty quiet, and they walked up the hill and, and, and didn't confront anybody. And the second one didn't really in com- confront anybody, but they there um, some witnesses did say that there was a lot of cussing when they got out of their trucks. Um, so so yeah, the mood was it was kind of it was kind of tense. I asked Tina if she thinks there's a pattern to how the MVP security and crews respond to tree sitters, and what she thinks could come next for the camp. This, um, the, the one that I know of that's the most similar to this is probably Little Teal down in Franklin County because I know they did come in and they cut trees very close and, and, and it, was a, it was in a very intimidating manner from what I understand. They wouldn't listen to people yelling at them, telling them that they were endangering the tree sits. Um, and I can't say for sure, but I'm fairly certain I recognize some of this crew from Little Teal, some of the same tree cutter people. On the day that I interviewed Tina, it was the Monday after this weekend of activity. Supporters came out in especially high numbers that morning to help out at the camp and be there in case MVP security showed up again. You do want to describe how things have been this morning? Very calm. <laughs> um, other than some of the logging that's going off on a, you know, another property back there that's been going on for a while, it's, it's really actually pretty calm here, I think. Some chores are getting done around camp that need to be done that kind of got brushed aside with um, all of the activity over the last couple of days. 
um, because when that happens, the main thing is to make sure that the tree sitters are safe and everybody's safe. Um, so it's, 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 it's a little bit of a breather and then, and then a sense of trying to figure out what is their next move going to be. You know, are they going to, are they trying to wait it out? Are they going to try to change the route? Are they going to come back? Are they going to take legal action? Um, we just really don't know. So just, it's a, it's a moment to kind of step back and take a breather and, um, and strategize. I didn't climb up into this tree with any delusions that my action alone is going to stop this pipeline. All of our victories so far we've accomplished due to all of our collective efforts. And it's going to take more than just one blockade and more than just one way to stop this pipeline. We're going to end this episode with words from the other tree sitter in Elliston, Nettle who published these words on October 4th from atop the white pine. Today is day 30 of the Yellowfinch blockade. Over these 30 days, we have successfully blocked the cutting of these trees, nearly the last trees still standing on the route of the proposed Mountain Valley pipeline. MVP has threatened my safety by cutting within 50 feet of our traverse lines, attempted to harass us, called the cops twice on us, and took over 24 hours to resurvey the patch of land we inhabit after forgetting where the easement was. Now their incompetence has led to a newly revoked permit in West Virginia, disallowing them from crossing any water bodies in the state. A local told a friend of ours recently that he opposed the pipeline, but wouldn't possibly be found protesting it. Protesting a project this big, he said, was like parking a Volkswagen in front of a freight train. I think that sadly, in a lot of fights, this feels true. I want to make clear that it is worth it anyway. It is always worth it to inspire more resistance, to expose the realities of this unjust country, and to breed non-compliance. But here I get another feeling, a very strange feeling of hope, that maybe this is the pipeline that finally dies through a mixture of gross incompetence and mass resistance. And that surely would change things, would show us that extraction, capitalism, and settler colonialism have an expiration date. Here's to hoping that it's soon. More to come in the next episode of End of the Line. End of the Line is produced by Whitney Whiting, with help from friends and listeners across Central Appalachia, Central Virginia, and beyond. Special thanks for this episode goes to Lauren Bowman, Tina Badger, and Nettle. If you'd like to learn more about the ongoing resistance at the Yellow Finch Blockade, visit the Appalachians Against Pipelines Facebook page for the latest updates. Music by Restroy. Find the full EP at milkfactoryproductions.bandcamp.com. Additional music by Lobo Marino. Find them on lobomarinomusic.com. And find all episodes from End of the Line at pipelinepodcast.org.